Hello fellow earth beings. Welcome back to season two of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. I'm your host, Jamila Burney, and together we will be going on an adventure of discovery as we explore topics such as what does it mean to become? How do I move forward after hard times? What even is spirituality? How do our neurotypes affect us? And so much more. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of tea, and let's embrace the journey. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Pod. I'm your host, Jamila Burney, and today I have a really incredible conversation to share with you guys. Last week, I sat down with Janessa Tallman to talk about all things going on in the sky. We talked about the retrogrades. We talked about the eclipses. We talked about the moons. We talked about it all. And if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you guys... We had planned on getting this episode up a little bit sooner than we are, but (laughs) as it so happens, we have been experiencing all of the technical difficulties. So we were just sitting cracking up because we were talking about the retrogrades and then BAM! We're hit with all the technical difficulties. <laughs> so we'll save we'll save the good stuff for the episode. If you hear a hiccup or two in the audio, I do apologize, but it is what it is. I hope you still find value from this episode. I know I sure did. And without further ado, let's dive into the episode. I'm here with the incredible Janessa, and she is an intuitive astrologer and a holistic healing practitioner. And we're here to dive into all of the things that are going on with the sky right now. If you are listening to this, this is being recorded on Thursday, April 20th, 2023. And we are in the midst of all kinds of wild things happening. Eclipses, new moons, retrogrades coming up. So I know a lot of people have been feeling a lot of energy, a lot of energy moving around. So I wanted to bring Janessa on to really dive into what is going on right now, Janessa. Thank you for the lovely introduction. There's a lot going on in the sky right now. And energetically, that means that there's a lot going on within all of us, respectively. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that the average person who's listening to this right now probably only has the most surface level basic understanding of astrology. Now, if you are listening to this and you do have some fluency in astrology, please don't be offended by my kindergarten level explanations. But when I talk about astrology or anything else that's going on in the energetic world, I want to be able to explain it as though my five-year-old can understand it. Personally, I don't love a whole lot of jargon. I just don't think that it serves the purpose for someone who just wants to get a little bit of information. So I wanted to preface that by saying I really do like to oversimplify and really reduce the way that I speak about these things so that whoever is listening can take something away from it without feeling like they need to go to school to figure out what this means. Yeah, so please peel that back and just give us 
what it is that we need to know because that's kind of where I like I am I'm very surface level understanding of astrology because it's so complicated there's all of these things I'm just like oh my gosh it's so much so thank you for that and I think that is going to be the most beneficial for most people because we get lost in all of these definitions and then we're like listening to something like oh my gosh I have to look this up I dismissed astrology for so long even though I had such an innate pull and interest towards it, I could not, for the life of me, be bothered with it. But I do feel like if I had encountered people who were talking about it on a much more direct, practical, digestible, and common sense level, it wouldn't have been something that I was so put off by for so long. So I always keep that in mind when I talk about it. Astrologers talk between each other for sure. And there's a time and place for the jargon. But for the most part, if you're an astrologer who's trying to hold space for people who are wanting to access the astrology, it doesn't make sense to converse in actual astrologist terms, like unless someone's really wanting to learn from you. But when people are just like, give me the news, like when the weather segment comes on on a news station, it's the astrological weather that they want. So right now, there's quite a bit going on. We actually have the sun, the moon, Mercury, and Jupiter all doing a little bit of a dance right now. Just depending on where you're at, where you're listening to this, I'm on the west coast of Canada. So today is our zodiac switchover. So we're just wrapping up Aries today and we're just moving into the sign of Taurus. When the sun moves into the sign of Taurus is when the zodiac switches signs. And you're just in that right now. So if you're on the east coast of North America, or if you're across the Atlantic Ocean, or in Australia, or wherever you are on that side of the world, this would have happened for you yesterday. But we've got the sun, the moon, Mercury, and Jupiter. All of those planets are making their own little mark in our energetic shift right now, as they're all in Taurus together. Now, the sign of Taurus represents the phase of evolution as an individual where you're still quite naive and a little bit young and a little bit newer to a lot of the broad worldly perspectives. So without going through the entire zodiac archetypal structures, Taurus is essentially the second stage of childhood. So Aries is the first sign of the zodiac. So it sort of represents like the new life, the new baby on the scene where it's like me, 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 basic needs. I need to be taken care of. And it's also that sense of I'm here. Let's do this. Let's go. I got to see everything. I got to do everything. So it's like that new baby sort of thing. Well, Taurus is like that next phase. So you can kind of call it like the toddler phase almost. And I know, again, reductive, but it's kind of the easiest way to get a handle on what these feelings might feel like for you. So Taurus is kind of all about the way that you can collect and bring in your own assets through your own personal efforts and will. So if you think of a toddler who's just learned to walk and now they want to go out and they want to explore everything, they want to grab everything, they want to put everything in their mouth, they want to taste everything, they want to see everything, they want to throw things, and they're quite stubborn. Try getting a toddler to put on a pair of shoes to go outside if they don't want to put on a pair of shoes. Like you really can't move them to do something Unless they take sincere interest in it, 
So the Torian archetype is kind of like that. Now, if you think of that really basic toddler level and how it translates into adulthood, you can sort of see how that would evolve. But the nature sort of stays the same. They're very tactile in nature. So they want to be able to see things, hold things, smell things. They want to be able to experience things in order to get their information, to believe things, and to feel like they own it. So Taurus in general doesn't have a whole lot of the introspective conceptualization as their first line of interacting with the world. It's very much, I got to see it before I believe it. There's not a whole lot of need or want or drive innately in the Taurian archetype to want to go out and venture out outside of where all of its own assets and resources and comforts and personal belongings are. So they're very much, these are my things. I have my things. I got them myself. I went to work. I made the money. I paid for them. These are mine. Don't touch them. They make me happy. No, I don't want more. And they're very happy with the things that they've been able to acquire through their own efforts. And everything to do with Taurus has to do with your basic needs as far as like food, shelter, clothing, money in the bank to be able to pay your bills, save long term. They're the most grounded of all of the signs. And they were the original homesteaders of the Zodiac. And they build a home, they make it their home, they cook the same things every day, they wear the same clothes, they patch things, repair things. They're not really ones for replacing new things frivolously. And they're very, very resourceful. So they're super, super good at just making the best out of the resources that they have in front of them. And there's really no big picture need to change or pursue anything outside of what they already have, as long as they're happy with what they have. And then if they do want to acquire more things, it's always through their own personal efforts. So it's the work hard, put in some extra hours, put in some overtime, save some money, stop spending here. They're really, really good at managing the assets that they have. And they can turn close to nothing into a lot. So that is on the most reductive scale the essence of Taurus. So right now with the sun, the moon and Mercury in Taurus, like we're kind of stubborn and we're a little bit homebody-ish and we really don't feel like we want to do anything other than kind of go through our own things. This is the time of year where people want to start going through their closets. They want to start pulling out their junk drawers. They want to start organizing and sorting and sort of taking count of everything they have in their home. And it's funny because it's kind of associated with like spring cleaning in some parts of the world. And on one hand, yeah, the change in weather itself does promote a little bit of that in you. But what a lot of people don't realize is more so that energetic shift to really want to go through and put your hands on all of your own personal assets that you have within your home is actually the sun entering in Taurus. And it's just taking stock of everything that you have so that you can feel a sense of comfort before you go out and bring something new in. And we all go through this this time of year in the Northern Hemisphere. I don't know if you're feeling it, but I know all I want to do this weekend, I was like house purge and not even for the sake of getting rid of it. It's more like, I need to know what we have right now. It's like my annual inventory that I need to do. And same with finances as well. And this is a really big reason why this time of year is also tax season. And when housing markets boom, it's the biggest time of year for mortgage applications 
applications and remodeling loan applications, like all the things to do with pulling equity out of your home to be able to make your home work for you. A lot of that is just Taurus energy. So with the planets in Taurus right now, that's just creating a lot of that momentum within us at the moment. And then on top of that, we're also experiencing a solar eclipse at the exact same time. And tonight is actually the new moon in Aries before the sun fully moves its way over into Taurus. So it's got this like half and half essence to it. And the new moon is the time where you plant seeds. It's kind of like you go underground to cultivate yourself, to really nurture yourself with the nutrients you need before you can come out and bloom. So it's a really strong time for manifestations and putting your intentions in place and in motion for the things that you're going to do as it comes out of that phase. So the new moon right now being like half Aries, half Taurus, it creates a little bit of energetic, emotional turmoil in some people. And again, this is kind of a little bit loosey-goosey as well, because it depends where you're at in the world. So the Aries new moon could have happened yesterday for people in certain parts of the world. And Taurus was only just tickling the surface of it. And in other parts of the world, like on the West Coast, where we are right now, West Coast of North America, the sun has already entered Taurus, but we've got the new moon tonight that is still in Aries. So there is a lot of that Aries energy too. So there isn't one thing that I can give you where I'm like, hey, this is what it's going to feel like because it's going to be so nuanced and depending where you're at in the world, it's also going to depend on your own natal chart and how your cosmic blueprint based on where the planets are in your personal chart actually interact with those. But it is worth talking about because whether or not it's Taurus energy or Aries energy or whether or not you have prominent placements in your own natal chart, that mix of energy with the eclipse creates this volcanic effect where it is building and building right now and it is about to blow up. And energetically speaking, we're at the cusp of a brand new era that's going to span the next 12 to 18 months or so. We're entering this really big shift societally. And in order for society to shift, we as individuals have to shift. So a lot of this energy is really building in us right now. And over the next two to five days, depending on how you're personally affected, you're also going to feel that release of energy that is going to birth new landscape. So it's never a bad thing. I always say like when the planets are making moves and you're feeling the effects of it, it's always for the purpose of evolution and growth. So when you feel that and it feels really off or your energy just feels like it's super polarizing or it doesn't matter how it manifests for you, it doesn't matter what time of year it is, like which planet we're talking about, which luminary we're talking about, when you're feeling that and then you can attribute it to the planets, the best thing you can do is just find that planet in your own natal chart and see where it is in your cosmic blueprint so that you can figure out where this energy needs to go in your life because that's all the planets are asking of you is to transmute this energy 
It's like, it's going to pull it out of you. And now it's up to you to decide where you put that energy. So my piece of advice for anyone who is like, hey, this is all cool, but what the heck does this have to do with me in my life, right? Like, okay, might be feeling a little emotional. It kind of explains why I wanted to wash the walls this weekend, but how do I figure out what this means for me? Step one is learning your own astrological birth chart. And then step two is get out a pen and paper and hit the internet, find someone online. I mean, there's so many places you could go online. Obviously, I'm an astrologer. I'd be more than happy and willing to be the person to help you with that. But find someone that resonates for you online. And then you just go Google. What is the astrological weather today? Or you can get an app where it'll show you. And then just take notes and you can figure out like, moon is in Taurus. Do I have any Taurus placements? Oh, my son's in Taurus. I'm a Taurus sign. What does this mean for me? And then you can see where you can transmute that energy as it starts to come out of you. Because that's more than anything what people don't really know what to do with. They're like, I, I give credit to this. Yeah, it sounds legit. I can definitely relate. These things are happening to me. But do I just lay back and kind of let it wash over me for the weekend while this happens? Or am I supposed to do something with this? And yes, absolutely. You're supposed to be doing something with that energy because the planets are asking that of you. It's literally the contract with your cosmic energetic body that you agreed to when you came into this body. This is where the planets are in your own cosmic DNA. And you agreed that these planets, as they circle around in their transit throughout your life, that you will listen to the energies that they're calling from you. And you will evolve and grow using the natural skill set and tools that you were given with these placements to go transmute the energy as you continue to experience and grow through your life in this body on this planet. So for me, that's why talking about these transits are really important, but it's also why it's super important for me to want to be able to talk about it on a really digestible level, because none of this matters if you don't know what to go do with it. Do you have any questions for me before I continue to like ramble on? Totally. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious, like, what is the essence or the essential energy of the eclipse? Because I hear people like, oh, it's eclipse season, buckle up. You hear all of these things. So how does the eclipse affect us? What is that kind of essential energy that comes with it? Why are we buckling up? So I do not subscribe to doomsday astrology. <laughs> there's legitimate evidence and there's good solid foundational theory for where these warnings are coming from. But in my own personal opinion, you don't have to worry about anything if you are in a place of self-awareness and you're already on a path of desiring to live in alignment with who you are in whatever way that looks like. The buckle up and what to watch out for warning thing that sort of comes from more of that mainstream pop culture, astrological forecasting, where most of the consumers who are reading those horoscopes, and again, I'm generalizing. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I love those horoscopes, but I'm also quite spiritually aware. Please don't take this as an offense. You're absolutely allowed to love those as well. But when we think of how information gets out there to the masses on a mainstream level, like in the millions, it's safe to say that there's still a much smaller percentage of people who are spiritually and personally aware 
of themselves on an energetic level than there are people who are just completely oblivious and living blind to it, right? So a lot of that doomsday stuff really is aimed at the people who don't know about this and don't know about their own impact in their life from an energetic level. Because a solar eclipse, which is what we're in right now, which is where the sun is actually eclipsed, there's a lot of schools of thought here. This is my school of thought on this. I have really sort of studied it and contemplated it from a personal standpoint because I was actually born during a solar eclipse and the sun was eclipsed within a 20 minute window of my birth time. So I was born during that eclipse. And when I came across this information, it resonated with me to the core. So I sort of have a personal biased soft spot for this one, which is probably also meant that when I hear other theories and philosophies about what these eclipses mean, I'm probably less inclined to take it in because I'm kind of attached to the version that I found that I liked. So I will say that if you find something else that is contradictory to what I say, and that resonates for you, then that can be your meaning as well. Because astrology doesn't exist without personalization and without personal integration. So a big part of astrology is that it's a science, but it is only a science when it's actually applied. So like you, you have to find relatable resonance to be able to embody it in order for astrology to actually apply to you and be real. So it's a little bit subjective at the same time as being a really tangible mathematical science. So it's multifaceted in that way. But anyway, the solar eclipse that we're in right now really just means that we are at a cycle turning point for what is global fate and movement. So there's always an axis to everything with every planetary motion throughout. It doesn't matter which planet it is. It doesn't matter if it's one of the luminaries. So like the sun or the moon, there's always an axis. So there's a solar eclipse right now, this time of year, exactly six months from now, across the zodiac, there's going to be an eclipse that happens in the opposite sign. And then six months later, it's going to happen again in the sign that it's in right now. And that will complete the full cycle. And it's a cycle of fate and inevitable motion forward. So if you're someone who is super highly intuitive and aware of your own energetic body and your own alignment on a physical to non-physical level. So when you yourself are in alignment and in connection with your higher self, when you're living that kind of life, a solar eclipse will just really promote a whole lot of energy and pressure within you that you can't ignore to have to take action and move forward towards the fate that you were already destined to move into. And If you are someone who is not living a highly aware type of life, the planets are still going to prompt and promote that growth within you, but you can hold a lot of resistance to it, which is where that warning comes from, where it's watch out, buckle up, it's going to be rocky. But it's just like anything in life. 
if you're living in alignment with who you really are and what you want and you are very self-aware, when challenges come up and things come up within you, you find a way to alchemize it or transmute it, or you can at the very least find a silver lining and turn it into something positive and beneficial. Whereas people who are just blinders on head down and they're unaware of how much control they have over their experiences, it can feel victimizing for them. Like bad things happen. They encounter situations that they weren't expecting that really blindsided them. They weren't prepared for this. And it's because they're already living in a place where they're not picking up on the messages and hints and signals from their higher selves. And they're just not on their path of enlightenment, really. So I like to think that anybody who's listening to this right now, let's call it like, if there's a line down the middle and on the right side, are all of the people who are on a spiritual path. On the left side, there are all the people who haven't quite awakened to their spirituality yet. The solar eclipse for the group on the right is just going to catapult us on a much more rapid and much more pressurized timeline towards our fate. And it's going to feel exciting. It's going to feel like we can't contain it. It's going to feel like, like we just absolutely know with all of us, like every ounce of our being, this is what I need to do. And then if you're on the left side and you are listening to this podcast, I mean, welcome, because it, it means that you're embarking on this and maybe that's what the solar eclipse is prompting from within you. Maybe this is the start of your spiritual awareness journey, but that general group of population, it's going to feel really challenging for them, but they're going to find themselves in that turmoil where on paper, things don't make sense, but they've got this feeling inside them. They don't know how to express it. They're unaware of what it's coming from. They might lash out and project. So a solar eclipse can cause a lot of turmoil for people who aren't aware of what's going on. Divorces, car accidents, just bad things, job losses. People can kind of accidentally blow the lid and spout off and say things that they didn't necessarily mean to say or want to say and then be left with the damage control following that there's just a lot of things in daily life that sort of look like it's it ends up being just like a hot mess that can be prompted from a solar eclipse if they're not aware of it not prepared for it and that's really all it is it's just this cyclical opportunity for you to step into your fate and to have a helping hand from the energies of the cosmos to be able to go do the things you came here to do. And it's just that extra pressure cooker type feeling where it's for most of the year, your destiny kind of leaves you alone and lets you find your own path. But these eclipses really are the universe being like, hey, smack across the head. Remember you said you were going to do this thing? You need to go do it. So it's going to feel like that within us. Yeah, what I'm kind of hearing is, it's kind of like prompting us or urging us or helping us into this growth. And with growth comes change. And for me, in, at least in my experience, whenever I've kind of stepped into this next level or this next version, a lot of things that I thought were good kind of fell away. And it wasn't until later that I realized like, oh, those weren't actually good for me. So it sounds like it's kind of promoting that shift, which can definitely feel a little bit like that, a little chaotic. Yes. It's of it. Yeah. Because there might be things that are kind of like falling off, new things that are coming in, maybe being prompted to step into that 
that next version yeah. of ourselves, which definitely can, yeah. can be scary. Well, sometimes it can feel like things are happening to us and it isn't until hindsight when we figure out that it happened for us and that there are so many factors that go into that. And one of the things with astrology that I prefer to do is I don't love looking at the transits to try and plan ahead. I really like to look at it on a day-to-day, like momentary basis. So every morning I like to just check and see what's going on so that if I encounter certain things through my day that I'm feeling, I can remember Mm -hmm. that the sun moved into Taurus or there, or Pluto's just squaring whatever planet right now. That's kind of what it promotes so that you don't end up in that negative brain spiral where you're like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do anything right? Everyone's out to get me. There's a lot of mind chatter that can just sort of be halted by remembering that it's not just your environment that's moving around you and creating circumstantial evidence in your life. There's a, this whole other world of energetic influence and if you forget to give credit to that it's really easy to place blame on your physical life here you blame yourself you blame others you blame institutions organizations your boss government things that are so far outside your control but people do have a tendency to want to put a finger on something and a lot of the times it is ourselves so I like to use astrology as a way to justify how cyclical we are because it's it's not even an empty justification it really is like we are so cyclical in nature and we're being influenced by things we can't see so when we remember that and we can give credit to it your life itself goes a whole lot smoother because you're not starting fights you're not beating yourself up you're not getting ticked off and walking out on your job because you just had enough that day but Sometimes that happens regardless of what's going on, but you can find ways to understand that these things are prompting within you and promoting growth and change for a reason. So it makes absolutely no sense to me to not just attribute those cyclical, energetic, and emotional reactions down here on earth to massive things out there that we can't control as a way to keep you like grounded and in your zone and in alignment, living your best human life possible here. But again, that all comes with awareness. So I'm not sure. And I actually can't even remember like if what you just said had a question. Oh, but but. what you just said (laughs) just prompted another question that I have. So another thing that you that we see kind of demonized in in our society is like Mercury in retrograde or retrogrades in general. Yeah, that's coming up as well. So can you kind of give me your perspective on Mercury in retrograde? What does that mean for us? And is it this like thing that we this thing that we have to be like, ah, Mercury is in retrograde. <laughs> yeah. So my take on any retrograde planet, but Mercury in general, because it just takes the brunt of all of the bad news for all the other planets, it really is the scapegoat. My stance on that is really very similar to the eclipse theology. Depends where you're living your life. Are you on the right side of the line? Are you on the left side of the line? Are you kind of somewhere in the middle? Maybe you're on the right side, but there's been a lot of environmental stuff in your life that has really brought you back over to the left right now. So it just sort of depends on like where you're at and how you receive that energy. 
So actually, let's just talk about what a retrograde is and like physically from an astronomical standpoint, what it is doing. And then we'll talk about the astrology behind it. So the astronomy is the science of the planets themselves. And a retrograde is the name of the phenomenon that happens just from our perspective here on Earth from an astrological perspective, but it's not actually happening on an astronomical perspective. So retrograde means reverse. It means rewind, to go backwards or to erase or to go back over. So what happens is we're all in our orbit, when I say we all, like all the planets, so Earth and all the other nine planets, we're orbiting around the sun. Every single planet, takes its own respective amount of time to make one full orbit or one full rotation around the sun. Mercury is the fastest moving planet and it goes around the sun more times in a calendar year than any other planet. We go around the sun in 365 days. I can't remember the exact number that Mercury takes, but I know that we have a retrograde three-ish times a year. So I think it's like 88 days maybe so it catches up to us a few times a year. But for just like ballpark reductory conversation's sake, let's say that it is three times as fast as Earth. What's going to happen is we're going around the sun and then Mercury is going around the sun, but it's going faster. So we're going to see it twice before we make our full revolution around the sun. Well, as that planet catches up to us in our orbit, and then it starts going the same rate as us before it passes us, there's going to be this period of time where it's moving faster than us, but it's caught us. And now it's moving past our planet. It's going to look as though it's going backwards. So have you ever been like driving on a highway or driving down a road and you're driving parallel to a train? And the train's ahead of you, but you're going faster than the train. So you're speeding up and you're gaining on the train. And then all of a sudden you come right up to the train. And even though you're going the same speed now, the train looks like it's going to start going backwards, but the train's not going backwards. It's just maintained its speed and you've maintained your speed, but you have now passed it. And the phenomenon that happens is it feels like for a moment in time, you're both floating and no one's going forward or backwards. And then it looks like the train goes in reverse and it goes backwards. That's the phenomenon that happens with a retrograde planet. So from our perspective on Earth, the way that we're moving around the sun in relation to how the planet, the other planets are moving around the sun, there's always a point in time where one of them catches up to us or we catch up to a planet just depending on the way that the cycles go. And what happens is for that moment of time, when we have become parallel and equal pace with, with that planet, it sort of like halts and stops its movement through our zodiac. And then as we continue on or the other planet continues on and it's faster than us, it's going to appear as though the planet is moving through the normal trajectory through the zodiac. Then it stops and hovers in the zodiac for a little bit. And then it goes back the other direction, back through the zodiac that it just came from. 
until we get to a point where we've created enough distance between us and it again, that we then have the perspective to see that it is now following us. And then the planet will continue back the other way. So it's what they call like it stations itself direct, which means it's kind of like it puts the brakes on and then it goes back the other way. So I hope that sort of gives you like the full painted picture of what's actually going on from an astronomical perspective. What that does here for us is our perspective of this planet that is in its reverse mode means that the energy of that planet is going to be in a backwards motion. So a retrograde for me, the way that I like to teach people and talk about it and think about it is that it's like hitting the rewind button on the film that is your life. So you're like, whoops, stop, rewind. And you can go back and you can reverse and backtrack until the point that you want to stop at, that you recognized you want to be able to go back and redo something or revisit something or take a better look at it or just rewatch it again to see what did I miss? What might have been important there? How could I have done something differently? So a retrograde period of time just prompts you or it just creates this like energetic feeling of really needing to backtrack and go back over everything you just did. Not necessarily because you have to redo it, but definitely because you want to be able to at least observe it and look at it. So depending on where Mercury is in your chart, it's just going to look differently. But Mercury is the planet that rules our mind. So if you think about it, we really can't function at all in life without our mind, right? Mercury is a very, very strong planet because our mind governs so much of what we do and who we are, how we think, our perception, how we learn information that we take in, information we pass on. Um, we can't even exist. We can't coexist with other human beings without the use of our mind, right? And because Mercury rules and governs the mind, and Mercury is such a fast-moving planet, there's a lot of stuff that can really come up during a Mercury retrograde. So depending on where Mercury is in your chart and depending on where the retrograde is happening in the zodiac at the time, it's going to have different flavors and it's going to have different influences. But if you're completely unaware of that, again, just like with the eclipse theory, it can feel quite startling and really quite offensive to be totally honest. So people do notice that with a Mercury retrograde, there's a lot of stuff that happens with like technological communication where connections are down, emails are missed, things are being misinterpreted and misunderstood through email and text message. Planes and trips get canceled or rescheduled or it just always seems like there's something halting you in your progress. And it is essentially Mercury being like, hold up, we're not moving forward right now. We're looking back at the moment. So if you're unaware of anything from the previous two to three months that you might need to take another look at, a Mercury retrograde is going to feel a little bit challenging and offensive to you. But the overall essence of the Mercury retrograde itself is it's always going to have to do with your mind, how you communicate how you take in information, how you give out and share information. It is 
your day-to-day thinking. So Sagittarius is the other more evolved, higher level component to your mind. It's more like higher education, philosophizing, big theories and big conceptual, higher brain power type part of your thinking. But Mercury is all about the really quick thinking that you do every single day. So it's all about your day-to-day communication. And it's that really quick communication in, communication out, and how your brain takes in information, creates a theory, gives you information, you're able to make a decision. So it's that part of you that governs how you function on a daily basis. So if that part of you is going to be on rewind, and you're not hyper aware of yourself, especially if you are still operating in a default egoic perspective, and you're still thinking with the belief systems that you carried on from your parents, and you haven't done any work with your mindset, and you haven't created new beliefs about yourself, your life, and the things you do on a daily basis, that's when Mercury retrograde can really feel like it's out to get you and everything can go wrong. Now, again, if you don't know where Mercury is in your chart, start there. Because Mercury, depending on where it is in your chart, will have its own flavor of things. So the people who are wanting to bring astrology to the masses, right? How do you get people to click on that stuff? Well, it's got to be super enticing, right? So let's say something really really scary or really profound because all astrologers are good astrologers, even if they are like mass marketing and they're more pop culture and surface level, like they all have a place here too. We all need to come into astrological awareness in our own way. And sometimes that really fun entertainment is a really good way to get people opening up to this information, right? So not picking on them necessarily, but that whole world of, oh my God, Mercury retrograde. I always just have a good laugh at that, to be totally honest, because I love a good Mercury retrograde. I have really strong Mercury placements in my chart too, though. And most of my energetic and my cosmic DNA is sort of wrapped up in the nature of Mercury. So I really like the opportunity a couple times a year where my brain kind of does go on pause and I have the ability to take the time to slow down. And for me, there's a lot of stuff that comes up during a Mercury retrograde where I become aware of how my words might've affected someone else negatively. And I have this funny thing about me where I'm the nicest person on the planet and I would never intentionally hurt anyone. But I also do have this aloof side of me where I can offhandedly accidentally hurt other people and not know it. So a Mercury retrograde for me always provides me an opportunity to slow down my mind enough for other people to share with me how I made them feel. And I'm in a space during that time where I can consider it and go back and objectively remember that scenario and go, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I'm so sorry. Instead of when my brain is usually in hyper fast mode, I'm like, that person's so sensitive, way to take it out of context, things like that. So on a really tangible life level, for me, that's what a Mercury retrograde can really offer me. And that is soul growth right there. That's an opportunity to evolve into your higher expression of all of these influences. 
So yes, Mercury goes retrograde today and it's going to stay there until May 14th. It's actually a fairly small retrograde period. It can go up to six weeks sometimes. This one is in and around the three week mark and it is in Taurus. So again, we can just assume that the retrograde aspects of Mercury for this particular time period are just going to be Taurian in nature. So it is going to be about personal resources and how you physically go about attaining, managing, and utilizing the resources you have. It could be frivolous spending. It could be saving. It could be repurposing things you already have. It could be anything on any scale, but it's going to be really close to home. And it's going to be about how you think and your views and your perspectives and your beliefs around things that are Torian in nature and how you communicate these things. So money, finances, bills, spending, savings, your job, your home, your housework, clothing, household items, personal belongings. And then there's also the more shadow sides of Taurus as well, because every single planet and every single sign has a high road and a low road. And it basically means, are you living in your most positive expression or are you living in a more traumatized, negative expression? So if you are living more of a life that is in a positive expression, then it's going to feel kind of exciting and opportunistic and much lighter in general. But if you're someone who is living in a state of victimization, whether chronically or just at the moment, like no judgment, we all fluctuate between these high roads and low roads of every aspect of ourselves, right? But if you are in a place where you are struggling to have a positive expression of a lot of the different parts of you right now, Mercury retrograde in Taurus can end up looking missed bill payments, run out of money, debt problems, you've overspent. Or the flip side of that too is because Taurus loves its own personal musings and the things that it finds comfort in. It can be emotional eating. If your mind is going and it's stressed out and things are happening, you might turn to food. You might turn to bad habits that give you comfort in the short term now, but really don't serve you long term because it's just the nature of Taurus. If it can't control, then it will find control where it has control, which because it's very tactile in nature, it's they like to drink, they like their chocolate, they like their chips, maybe they like to gamble, things like that. So it just depends where you're at and how you're affected by it. But that's the big way that we can sort of see this particular Mercury retrograde in our lives right now and how it might play out. And then every time that Mercury goes retrograde, it's going to have the exact same feel in a different area of your life, depending on which zodiac it's in. And it's not a scary thing. It's always an opportunity to slow your mind down and go back and take a look at things that you've maybe been rushing through or been doing on autopilot from a mindset or a belief perspective, or just sometimes our brains just can't turn off because of the pressures of life itself. 
it's just a really, really good opportunity to push pause, rewind, go back, go over, see what we've done, maybe fix some things, redo things and decide what we're going to either continue doing or change moving forward when we get our mental momentum back. I love that. I really like that perspective as far as using the retrograde as a time to reflect because I feel like fear is like the biggest weapon against the mind. And there's definitely like a collective hypnosis fear around retrograde. Like you see it on social media, you see it in pop culture, you see it everywhere where everyone's just, ah, retrograde. And so that is just such a refreshing perspective on what that means and what are, what we can actually do in those periods if if the computer is not working or you can't upload something I know that's something that I've experienced during retrogrades where it's like yeah. things just won't upload and it's okay maybe it's not uploading because I need to take a second to pause reflect is this actually what I'm wanting to put out does it need a little bit of shifting so using that time to really to sink into that reflection that feels really good to me. And uh, I really, really like that. You know, what's funny, just as you were saying that I just had this like memory flashback. It was a few years ago now, but the very first time that I was ever aware of a mercury retrograde in my own life, but the very first time I ever made that connection, it was an email I was trying to send. And no matter how hard I tried to send it, I could not. It would just go into this weird queued up status and it would not go through. And at the time, I was so frustrated to the point that I was in tears because it was actually this final portion for a job that I wanted. And I really wanted this job. And I just felt like if this thing didn't go through, that it was going to be a factor in me potentially not actually getting that job and having someone else picked over me kind of thing. It lasted two days. I could not send this email and I was ready to blow. I did not get that job. Three weeks later, the pandemic hit Mm. and we were locked in our house. And it was one of those things where I was like, I mean, yeah, it was a blessing in disguise. Can you imagine if I had actually quit what I was doing and pursued this and it would have just been like oh my god what do I do now kind of thing so I just because that popped into my head so clearly I wanted to throw that in there because sometimes we don't realize why these energies are pausing us and halting us and sometimes they know what's best for us and it's just it's funny because you really only get this in hindsight, right? You don't have this kind of wisdom and insight in the moment. But the more and more you can go back and reflect on things that have happened in the past, the quicker you are to recognize it when it's happening now, which might give you an edge and a mental advantage to just choose to be okay with just allowing this to play out. Because sometimes that's where the blessing comes from, right? I think there's so much power in going back and recognizing those kind of patterns, how the things that we kind of wanted that didn't work out or didn't work out the way we had planned them in our head and reflecting on how that was actually for our benefit and like seeing what kind of played out after that. Because I feel like that helps us like just taking that time to reflect, which 
sounds is very much the energy of the retrograde, but taking that time to reflect on how things that we wanted didn't pan out the way we wanted, but then what happened after it helps us to build that innate trust that things are working out for us, even if we can't see in that moment, like what exactly that means, or there's not like that like I'm not sure but in that uncertainty and when we have that trust we're given the opportunity to surrender and from that place of surrender and trust it that's like where I feel like the most magical things are born yeah exactly and you will find a lot of things out there on retrogrades that will go in depth and talking about like the shadows And how it's not necessarily things that you need to address just from the last few months of its like prograde trajectory. And there's a lot of merit to that. And I love that there's so many layers to astrological theology as well. Like I'm a nerd. I love it. But for me, information doesn't make sense to have if you can't use it or if you can't remember it and access it, right? So I really love dancing around to the whole tangible, real life, analytical ways of looking at all these things so when a planet goes retrograde it literally is like pause go back we're going to slowly pick up pace and move forward again so it doesn't make sense that it's anything but a respite and a break and a reprieve and just a chance to look behind you because we're always so quick like we're always just forward facing what's next move on more growth more of this more money let's do this let's get that And when it comes to Mercury, because it is our day-to-day mind and communication, right now as a society, that is the most overused and overworked and overstressed parts of us. So a Mercury retrograde can either be really challenging for you, or you can actually choose to tap into it for what it is, which is a pause button and a rewind button on your mind. And you can really lean into the gift of that, which is why don't you allow your brain to just go into mindfulness? Like we all know how important mindfulness is. And we all know how important it is to meditate and connect and slow your mind and allow a break from the ego and the default networks to just turn off for a little bit. If you want to maybe take on less at work, maybe say no to some invitations if you're really not mentally feeling up to it it can look like so many different things but if there's something that is feeling like it's getting in your way be like you know what no it's mercury retrograde and lean into it and use it as like a fun pop culture excuse if you want to but do something that is evolutionary for you in some way intellectually during that moment of mindfulness and pause I love that. So one thing that you do for clients, right, is you help them understand their astrological birth charts. So something that we wanted to do that a little fun experience here is I actually sent in my information and we were going to do just a mini little birth chart map are you feeling up for that I want to be mindful of your time I'm, as well. I'm looking at your chart right now and yes thank you for the consideration but I am here for all of this so okay. if you've got time I've got time <laughs> let's do <laughs> so I'm looking at your chart right now and 
your chart is really cool. Okay, so before <laughs> I dive into yours, what I want to do is just help everybody understand that the chart on a surface level, when you look at it, it looks like a pie with a whole bunch of different uneven slices all through it, but it's broken up into 12 pieces. And those 12 pieces represent the 12 signs of our zodiac. And each sign in the zodiac represents a different house. And the house is essentially the area of your life that things play out. And then the zodiac represents how things play out. And then the planets represent why things play out the way they do. So in that little pie chart, you're going to end up with all these little lines and all these little symbols scattered all around it. And when you first look at it, if you are unfamiliar with a birth chart or you're not an astrologer or even a hobby astrologer, it's going to look like someone pulled this picture off of the inside of the pyramids because it does <laughs> kind of just look like hieroglyphs. And that's exactly what these little symbols are called. They're called glyphs. And each glyph represents a planet. So these little glyphs are planets and they're just spattered all over the surface of this uneven pie, essentially. So there's no good or bad birth chart. There can be really strong benefic placements that are like helpful energies and helpful positive force behind it. And sometimes you can get planets that are in areas of the chart that have a lot of like growth and transformation associated with it. And growth and transformation usually comes from having to learn the hard way. So when people have what they feel is like a bad chart or a challenging chart, it just means that the soul who choose to have this as their toolbox when they came in is likely an experienced soul. Like they've been here a lot. They have a lot of things that they're still trying to grow and trying to work through. And they've got karmic placements in their chart because of how strong and experienced they are and because of how many different other lifetimes they have experiences that they're trying to build on, rectify, and grow from. And then a positive chart where you can look at it and be like, this person probably isn't going to have innately too many challenging aspects assuming that they have a fairly supportive life growing up and they don't encounter too much trauma, they're probably going to be someone who ends up just having a normal, regular life without a whole lot of struggle or hardship in it. But there's no like good or bad chart. So I just want that to also be something before we jump into this, that not just anyone listening, but also you, Jamila, that you keep that in mind when you're looking at your chart or if anybody else ever in the future looks at your chart and they say something where you're like, oh, what? And it like scares you because <laughs> that's always my biggest thing. I don't know if you've picked up on that theme yet so far, but there's nothing that you ever need to fear or be worried about when it comes to astrology because everything in here is for the betterment of your growth and evolution in this lifetime. And these planets where they land on your chart they imprint in you innate skills 
gifts, challenges. And it's basically the toolkit that you came in with. It was like, okay, here, little soul, this is the body you're going to go in. Oh, here, take your cosmic birth chart because these are going to be your tools that you're going to need. And not everybody shows up with the same tools. And you are perfectly equipped with the tools that you need to do the job that you said you would do while you're here. So your birth chart is absolutely perfect for you. And everything that plays out on it plays out that way for a reason, because you agreed to do it. So now that we've covered that, <laughs> let's dive into what yours actually is. Your chart starts with your ascendant in the last degrees of Pisces, which means your house system kicks off in Aries. So your your trajectory through life in all of the areas of your life, starting in your first area and then moving all the way through until your 12th area, you actually follow the Zodiac, which is really neat because your growth and evolution as you experience the planets moving through the Zodiac will be very in alignment with the nature of how the Zodiac progresses and grows out of itself because it goes Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces. And each of those zodiacs represents a stage of growth and evolution. So from Aries to Virgo, the first six signs on the zodiac, it's all, your perspective is all on yourself. It's all very introspective. It's all very personalized. It is about you and your things and how you feel and what you want to do and the way you do things. So it's like you, 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 all through those <laughs> first six signs. And then they like mature and build upon each other as they go. And then when it meets Libra, which is the middle part of the chart, that's where it shifts perspective from me to them and to the they. It's where you can lift your head up and sort of take off the blinders and realize that you're not the center of attention and there are other people and you have to learn how to coexist and co-create with the people around you. And then as you move through the next six zodiac signs being Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces, it matures upon itself on each of those things. And when you get to Pisces, it is essentially the part of the zodiac that represents both physical and metaphysical, like a dream state or spiritual transformation or blending of the physical and the non-physical. So you start off with Aries, that is just super like physical on this earth here and now and you work through the zodiac with the first half of it being all about me and then you meet libra and then you get this more worldly perspective where you've got to look up and consider the people around you and then as it moves through and evolves and matures then it starts to go through this work hard impact others more like global altruistic humanitarianism and then it settles itself in Pisces which is the unseen and the dream world and the non-physical and the metaphysics and then that cycle starts again so your ascendant is right on the very last few degrees of where Pisces is so your ascendant makes up one third of your personality so your personality is predominantly made up of the three big markers in your chart, and that's the sun, the moon, and your rising sign. And when I say rising and ascendant, those two things are one and the same. Okay. And the sun and the moon are actual luminaries in the sky, 
we revolve around the sun and the moon revolves around us. And your ascendant is not a planet. It's actually the zodiac that is on the horizon that is just breaking the crest of the horizon at the exact minute that you took your first breath when you were born. So the ascendant symbolizes the distant persona that is rising with you that you will spend your lifetime rising into. And you're born with your son being the essence of your actual glow. Like it's your light and your sun sign is Aquarius because you're born in January. So your light and your essence has this altruistic, futuristic, humanitarianism sense and feel to it where you have so much light and warmth and glow and like just natural gifts that are illuminated and kind of contagious that has to do with the Aquarian essence, which is really wanting to change the world. Like you, you really have this want and need and desire to keep things on a more global perspective. And you can jump in and agree with me or disagree at any time that these things are coming up. But for the most part, your glow or your like most natural default way of seeing the world and the gifts that you naturally have, it's going to be very altruistic and humanitarian in nature. And you've got a really complementary moon placement as well too, where your moon is actually in Sagittarius. And your moon and Jupiter are at the exact degree in Sagittarius. So they're right on top of each other at nine degrees. And Jupiter is the biggest planet in the sky. And Jupiter makes everything bigger that it touches. So it embellishes and amplifies every single thing that it touches. And Jupiter's the sign of like luck and natural gifts. So your moon being right there with Jupiter in Sagittarius means that the moon is... Actually, I should backtrack half a second because I just realized I didn't explain what the moon does. The moon is your emotional connection to the world and your subconscious and your psychic and metaphysical senses. And the moon will always represent itself as who you are inwardly, where the sun represents who you are outwardly. So the moon is where you find safety and comfort and how your emotional needs are best met and how you express yourself emotionally. So your moon being in Sagittarius, it shares some qualities with your Aquarius sun as well, where it is kind of outward looking, where it is really about experiencing other people's lives and perspectives and wanting to actually gain real physical experience as in traveling to other places or going and putting yourself in a new culture or a new group of people. You're the adventurer of the Zodiac if you are a Sagittarius, but your moon in Sagittarius means that where you find comfort is from the pursuit of worldly perspectives. So that definitely you've resonates. likely got... Yeah. And 
because Jupiter's right there, you're going to have an extra embellished sense of that. So when your emotional safety feels compromised, you're going to find self-soothing methods and solace in your ability to put yourself into other scenarios. And this can look really different for a lot of people. So it'll be interesting to hear your take on what this looks like. But because Sagittarius is also the representative of the higher education and the higher mind, sometimes what people can end up doing if they have a moon in Sagittarius is they can also find emotional comfort in education. So sometimes people will always be enrolled in school, like higher education, where they're pursuing actual certifications or degrees, or they are learning like really altruistic topics like philosophy and like psychiatry, psychology, and like those really high level theoretical scales of education, but sometimes it can also look like literally going on vacation or kind of being a little bit nomadic and can't stay in the same place and always wants to experience something new. So Sagittarius can be physically experienced as far as like trips and vacations or like getaways or needing to move and change and be on the go and wanting to experience lots of different perspectives and meet new people and try new things but it can also manifest itself intellectually as well with the more like evolved mature expression of it where you don't necessarily have to physically leave or change anything to go experience all of these different perspectives and situations that you can put yourself in so some people with strong Sagittarius placements with a moon in particular will either find their emotional recharge with needing to go on vacation or they just need to get away or they just need to get up and get out of here for a little bit or they will dive into learning so that they can mentally go put themselves in that place. Sometimes it's even just reading books too. Sagittarius, Moons, definitely love fantasy books that can sort of take them out of their mental space and go put them into a completely different world for a little bit. And that will recharge their emotional state as well. So what does that one look like for you? Yeah, so it's very interesting, because I've had, this is actually something I'm like working through right now is I've had a really hard time staying in one place, like, two years is kind of my expiration (laughs) date in a state. And then I'm like, okay, I am done with this. And I'm moving. And right now I have just hit that, hit that mark here living in Texas, but I'm really, it's something that I kind of battle with is because I have this urge. It's okay. Where's the next place to go? But I also, I have a child. She wants stability. She has really amazing friends. I'm like, okay, so we are planting roots here. We are going to make this conscious effort to stay here through the rest of her schooling because this is like the place that she has really fallen in love with the most. And she's at that age too. She's in fourth grade. So she's at the age where she's like formed these really amazing friendships and she wants to stay here. So it's really interesting that you say that because that is has been my MO pretty much my whole life. I mean, I moved out of my home with my family very, very young. And I moved away to a state that I had never been to that I didn't know anyone in. 
And I've done that several times. And people are always like, oh my goodness, how could you do that? That's so terrifying. I'm like, honestly, it's less terrifying than staying here. (laughs) And you know what? Here is why I love astrology. And here is why I use astrology at the core of my actual healing and coaching that I do with people. Do you know how many people beat themselves up because they find fault in the things and the tendencies that they do because of the way it appears to other people. Mm. So other people think that you're crazy because you pack up and leave and move every two years. That is where you find your emotional security and comfort from. It is the most natural thing in your existence to change your location when emotionally you do not feel stable or fulfilled. So instead of beating yourself up or trying to do things that you should do for all these other logical reasons, you now have this little piece of information about yourself where you're like, okay, like there's nothing wrong with me. I have this urge. And for the most part, I have followed my impulses because it's so strong. And it's also worth noting too, that you have another planet directly beside those two. And I know we could turn this into a whole chart reading and you would have to break this up into the whole mini series. Like maybe Netflix will pick it up, I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I won't go into all of that just to respect the time of everyone listening to you. I know we've already been here for a while, but just one little extra thing to note there too. You have Venus sitting right there within 10 degrees of your moon, which means that Venus is also joining this party. And Venus represents all of the like luxuries in life. If you think of the Venetians throughout history, think of that period of time where it was like Romans living their best life and they're just all in togas laying back and they're just eating grapes and gods are like fanning them. And it's just the most beautiful, serene atmosphere. That's kind of what Venus represents. It's like all of the luxuries and pleasantries and all of the beauty in life. So you've got Venus sitting right there with your moon, alongside Jupiter, which is increasing all of this in Sagittarius, which means you're always going to have this sense of needing to recreate this beauty for yourself over and over again by experiencing new scenarios, new locations, and you just emotionally, your most nurtured and emotional healthy state will come from when your environment has that sense of beauty and it is new and exciting and a little bit more worldly where you can experience different perspectives, different cultures, different ways of doing things and brush elbows with other people from other walks of life. And the really cool thing here is that it's all in your ninth house. And your ninth house is also the house of Sagittarius as well. So you've got this double up on it, Mm -hmm. where it's like, you've got Sagittarius with 
yeah, it's like Sag on Sag on Sag with Jupiter mm-hmm. making it more Sagittarius. And then you've got Venus and then the moon in there. And the thing that the moon does as well is every 29 days, it makes its way through the Zodiac, right? So you also probably feel like your emotions are a little bit cyclical in that nature too, where once a month, you also probably feel like you need a vacation or you just need out of your house and like mundanity and routine and the same old, same old, and the things within your home don't look beautiful anymore. You probably want to rearrange your stuff all the time. Like maybe that's true. Maybe it's expressed in different ways, but those are potential things that you could also probably notice about yourself. So if you also have this need, maybe you are someone who's like always wanting to go away, even if it's just for a weekend, let's just get out of town and you can kind of set a clock to it where you're good for about a month, every fourth (laughs) or fifth week, you're like, we got to go. It's because it's your moon in Sagittarius and the moon is on a 29 day cycle. So every 29 days, when it comes across Sagittarius and tickles that area of your chart, you need to pack a bag and get the F out of town. Is that, do you feel like that? Yeah. And I mean, and it's always something that's always kind of brought comfort to me is even just like going for drives. Like I have have been a person that will just drive on a road and I don't even know where it's going. And I'm just like, we're just going to drive on this road until we find a place. (laughs) And do you love the beauty of it? Not only just you're driving to go like find a good view, but your head is on a swivel and you're just like, ooh, cows. Like, ooh, what's that building? And is your head on a swivel just admiring everything around you? Yeah. And like every place I've ever lived, like I really love, like people are like, well, what is the your favorite place that you've lived and I'm like I love all of them there's so much different beauty like I've lived in the desert like I've lived in the raininess I've lived now I'm here in central Texas it's like I've lived in the mountains of Colorado and it's like they're all so vastly different but there's something really incredible about and that's your Venus in there That's your Venus right in there, finding beauty in the new and the exciting. And when your Venus starts to dim itself and you're not finding beauty where you are anymore, your Sagittarian moon will go, I'm not emotionally fulfilled. I don't feel safe and comfortable here anymore. And it'll start prompting some scenarios within you that will make you want to change those locations. So you do have a lot of other things going on in your chart too. And I think it would be really cool if you and I, like another time offline, maybe did like a full reading because you do have some really cool things. But I don't want, I don't want your listeners to have to take a whole half day off work to get through all of this. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So I know that you have a really cool, you have a really cool gift for the listeners here. Can you tell them a little bit about that? And you guys, I will include a link to, to receive that free gift that she has as well. Absolutely. So everything that we've just talked about (laughs) to do with your own astrological birth chart and how to figure this stuff out. I actually have a workbook that I have put together and designed for the average person to be able to do on their own time so they don't have to go learn astrology. And it's really good for anyone who's curious, but not necessarily ready to actually just go have a reading. If you're like, yeah, I don't really know if I want to talk to an astrologer, but you kind of want to know these things about yourself. I created a workbook for that. So you can just do it yourself. And it's called Your Cosmic Contract, and it is a guide to understanding your cosmic contract through intuitive astrology. And as you go through the workbook, you essentially learn about each of your 
bigger, more prominent placements so that you can get some good language and a good idea of who you are and why you are the way you are. And then you can begin to build a picture of what your contract was with yourself in this physical world from a non-physical perspective so that you can kind of embrace the life that you came here to live. And included in that, there's also a moon manifestation guidebook so that once you've got your overall perspective of who you are and why you are this way, and you've got a little bit of language and a little bit of understanding, you can then use the phases of the moon by tracking your own moon placement. And every two weeks when there's a new moon and a full moon, you can go through a new moon and a full moon manifestation rituals. And then if you do it for an entire year over 12 months, you'll cover the entire process of the zodiac and you should be able to transform and manifest a reality in every single area that the zodiac promotes over the course of a year. And the whole idea is that over the course of a year, you will have a complete brand new understanding of who you are and your life can look a lot different in every single area so that a year from now, you can become and feel like a more whole and put together and understood version of yourself from your own perspective. Wow, that is so cool. And that is so valuable. I'm definitely going to grab that. I will send you that. (laughs) Yeah. But you guys, if you are interested in getting a copy of your own cosmic contract and working through this work on your own time, make sure to check the link in the description below. I will have Janessa's free gift linked in there. And if you are interested in connecting with Janessa more, uh, one-on-one or just following her, seeing the awesome stuff that she puts out. I will link all of her social medias and her website as well. So if you're interested in getting your own astrological birth chart reading or any of her other incredible services, make sure to check the, out those links. And thank you so much, Janessa, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you guys who are listening to this right now. I know that I am personally a very long-winded person. So if you've stuck it out and you're hearing us say goodbye right now, I just want to send an extra special thanks to you because we covered a lot and I know it was a lot, but I hope that you really did get some value out of it. And like Jamila said, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook. She'll put the links in the description But I do want you to know that you absolutely can reach out at any time. I know even for myself, when I have people that I follow and that I like, I always feel like unless it's really important, I don't want to bombard their inbox or anything. Mine's actually an open door. I love nothing more than actually connecting through messenger and voice chat with people. So I always want everybody to know that there's lots of different ways you can work with me. But most of my spare time is spent just talking to people in Messenger, answering their questions anyway, because I love it that much. So I'm always there on the other side of that if you do feel inclined to want to have a conversation. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Becoming the Big Me podcast. If you found value in this episode, please make sure you leave us a review. That helps our podcast grow. See you next time.